Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And this week, Daryl, the whole world, not just a little bit, the whole world is super pissed off. Pretty much, but... Well, here's the thing. The world's completely pissed off, but we're not even talking about politics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Right? Um... You know, I am kind of pissed off, and it doesn't have to do with politics. Like, um, the whole Ta-Nehisi Coates shot at Jordan Peterson, um, calling him the Red Skull, is kind of bullshit. Like, that's just not okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's unnecessary, and it's it's petty. It's it's wrong. It's it's all it's all sorts of negative, and and it also shows how this guy is, should not be writing comics because he. Well, I was gonna say like, it just shows how bad of a writer comic book writer he is that he's got to resort to just petty name calling. Um, and it's a little racist. Oh, absolutely. So a hundred percent it is, uh, just saying. So as I wasn't excited for, for Jar Jar Abrams and, uh, Tana baby coats to be making, um, tokenized Superman. I am not at all interested in, in anything either one of them have to do anymore yeah i think you're just still mad at abrams for the whole um cloverfield thing it it literally should have been the godzilla for a new generation 100 percent. yeah and and and, you know i know he didn't direct it but he was directly in charge of it and he he was like you know what let's make it this found footage thing where you're rooting for a monster you don't get to see to eat these douchey kids the only good thing that came out of it was we got like a solid 10 years of TJ Miller being funny before he went crazy. Yeah. That's it. Like that was that was that's the only good that came such, out of it. And he's the only good part of the movie. So it was such a good con- it was like the concept it's an amazing of amazing concept. An amazing, such a great concept. It's fleas like blew people up. Poor Lizzie Kaplan. I was just about to say oh, Lizzie Kaplan. Sorry. R.I.P. Lizzie Kaplan and Cloverfield yeah. and True Blood. I don't remember her in True Blood. Dude, she's in season one. She's an all-timer. Just putting that one out there. I saw the first season of that. Yeah. I, I, I have to go back and real. She's, I, uh, I, she's Jason's girlfriend. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Like I said, an all-timer. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Hello. Yeah, I, Hello, Lizzie Kaplan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Miss Lizzie. How are you today? Um, yeah, I think the the theme song of that was "I'm going to do bad things to you." Yeah, too. and, and what... she did. She did bad things to Stephen Root, uh, who was her vampire buddy. Uh, anyway, so no, this week we're obviously talking uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we're going to obviously be light on what it is. We'll give our review or our ranking of the episode. Um, but if you want to hear all of our thoughts, check in our check into our Patreon at patreon.com slash infamous podcast to um to listen to the commentary. And then the other thing is if you're interested in really helping us out, uh go subscribe on YouTube and watch on there. Uh that would that would help us out. We're trying to to grow that. And if we can get more people tuning in, we'll do more stuff on there. Makes sense. That that works, right? Absolutely. So um, like maybe we'll do things like, uh, uh, what, what are they called? Um, reaction videos and stuff like that. You're, you're a big fan of doing those. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I have a video of you punching a baby Grogu. Oh, I do like oh. punching baby Grogu's. <laughs> I'm not going to lie that, that I, I, whenever I see one at the store, I punch it and send a video to Daryl. Because as Daryl says, you're a, you're a monster. Eat me. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, first up, we have got speaking of reactions, we've got the the official trailer for Jupiter's Legacy landed on uh, on the YouTubes uh, just the other day. And it was it was really, really quite good uh, to the point where I own all of the issues like on floppy and everything. Floppies, mm-hmm. floppies. Well, no, I mean that's what they're called. Anyway, but I uh, I ended up just hopping on Netflix or Netflix Comicsology and I just bought them. I was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna reread all of these and I don't want to have to go dig for them because um, 
My books are not currently in alphabetical order. They are in pseudo chronological order of when I bought them. <laughs> oh, dude. So <laughs> that's oh my gosh. <laughs> so as I read the book, I put it in the bin. I don't bother like alphabetizing them. Oh man. And as many books as you have. Oh, I mean, like Yeah, I mean there's 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 a number. Uh, I mean, there's people who have way more than I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, there's people. But who I'm just saying, way like... way more. I mean, I have more. I have more than the the you know, like I mean, I probably have as many as like most collectors. I would think. Um, I don't sell anything though, so, um, yeah, I gotta start selling some toys too. I'm I'm gonna have to up- offload some of those. I have things that are just in the Ark of the Covenant that are not coming back. Anyway, but the 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 Jupiter's Legacy trailer. As we uh, fell into a weird little rabbit hole there, uh, this looks really good. I mean, I, like Netflix, Netflix does a good job, right? Um, right. But it, it looks good. Um, you know, there's some tokenization going on, and you know, uh, I, I will say they this book, like you know, th- there was a gay character in the book, so that same character is in the in the show, and that's going to be cool. I think Josh Jumel as the Utopian looks great. He looks um, yes. I think Leslie Bibb looks great. Um, you know, I like just the effects look really, really cool. Uh, but like they they've kind of proven to me that they can do superhero stuff with um, yeah. you know things like the Umbrella Academy and Old Guard and you know yeah, just like some of that just their sci-fi fantasy yeah. stuff. Like you know we've talked about like the you know the the I mean the Witcher and. What, what the lost in space yeah lost in space like, they're, they're yeah especially season two season two was really good of that show yes but yeah like i like there were a couple you know effects that were kind of like weird looking but yeah. overall i really like the tone of this yeah. trailer yeah and, and again this comes out next month so yeah, it's, may, we, may we, don't, we don't have long to wait three days after star yeah. wars day three days after you can go get your star wars stamps at the um at the post office. <laughs> I forgot you said talked about those. And There's R two D two stamps, dude. I'm gonna, you know, I, it's not like I'm not gonna buy them. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, no, this looks really good. I, I I'm excited for it. It's got like a little bit of a Watchmen feel to it because it's heroes in their prime and the older heroes. Only this time they weren't uh, banned or you know outlawed or anything like that so um but seeing their kids is is really cool and and watching the younger heroes and yeah it's it's exciting yeah and i'm definitely going to like this month sometime later this month go back and reread the original like like you know the original story it's been a while since i've read it so definitely want to get back into that yeah yeah absolutely but yeah, it just like I said, it looks really good. I, I gotta say, the whole like aspect of flying, like characters flying, has just like it actually looks real now on like really low budgets. Like Soups and Lolo, when he flies, it looks real. When freaking Alexander Luther flies in his Iron Man suit, it looks real. Yeah. So it's yeah. To your point, that because that's one of those the hardest effects I've seen that. To get it to look like it's in world, and they do it. They've done like with technology and you know some creativity. They've done a great job overall, making the things look pretty real. Yes, sir. Um, one hundred percent agree with you there. Although I will say, I I I am going to blast Falcon and the Winter Soldier in our watch on one particular scene of a character running that looked pretty awful. Um, I mean, I don't think most actors know how to run. Just uh, it was just know. like how it was either like I don't know if it was CG or if it was sped up, but it was that they did a lot was... of the speeding up. Anyway, that we'll get to that. Right, let's not jump yeah. too ahead, too far ahead. Um, okay, so Dune, <clears throat> the saga of Dune continues. Uh, <laughs> did you ever watch the sci-fi version? I don't believe I did. So, uh, next time you come over, I'll I'll lend you the DVDs. 
because uh, it's not like streaming anywhere. But like at the like, there's three. It was like three two-hour episodes, and uh, at the beginning of the, or at the end of each episode, it was like the saga of Dune continues. Um, <laughs> so, and, and like that's what really has me going on. So apparently, Warner Brothers is flipping again, uh, and they're considering not releasing Dune on HBO Max. <clears throat> Because Godzilla versus Kong raked in an enormous forty-eight point five million at the domestic box office over the Easter long weekend, and so, I mean to be honest, it's 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 earned over two hundred and eighty million dollars globally. So I mean that that's pretty good considering something like sixty percent of theaters are still shut. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, it's that's uh, no, that's absolutely a good haul considering what was going on, and I. Like I've, I've told a couple of people, I think I've told you that if I could, I would just, if I could walk into a theater for the last 30 minutes and watch that on the big screen, I would love to do that. I might do that. But I might just go watch I, another movie. I was movie thinking about going like, to see nobody or something like that. Yeah. I, I kind of want to see nobody. A guy at the gym was telling me it was really good. Um, here's the thing that bothers me about this article. And it's a quote from Josh Grody, the CEO of Legendary Entertainment. And when he's talking to Dateline, he says, this movie represents a way for people to slowly reintroduce themselves into a social environment. Heading back to the movie theater and learning we're not going to get sick. It's these steps we're we're taking over the next two or three months to get back into the normalcy of life. Dude, this movie comes out in November. Yeah. Like if you want, if if you. uh, This is April, dude. Yeah. If you, if you, if, if you really mean that, Put this movie out in May. Yeah. Put it out in May. I mean, plain and yeah, simple. Put, your money, put it where you're about to put, like, talk the, walk the talk, you know? And yeah, that, I, that, a comment like that just, you know, it just doesn't sit right with me. And just to get on, stay on track with Warner Brothers and their continued just lack of planning. Well, and yeah, strong decisions. So I, I, I agree with your lack of strong decisions because, like, speaking of lack of planning, uh, in this same article, it says Warner Brothers has indicated it will update its release strategy beyond 2021, having already inked a deal with Regal Cinemas that would give the U.S. theater tra- chain an exclusive 45-day theatrical window for Warner Brothers films starting in 2022. So wow. the only place you're going to be able to see Warner Brothers movies is at the Regal Cinema. And the Regal, by by my house, used to be a really good theater, and it went downhill fast. Um, that's, that's, yeah, and I don't that, like going there for movies anymore. Well, I went to like the Regal in, I think it's Wilder, yeah. Kentucky over that's here. That's where we saw a really nice Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Yes, so. it is, and it's little. I mean, and it's not a big theater, and you know I they have the one that. big it's screen. Nice, but yeah, it's nice, but it's small. And the problem is the, and again, this is for me. Depending on the movie, like a movie like a uh, Avengers, I went to go see Endgame there for the first time, and the audience excitement and the you know that tangible. You know, feeling of being watching something special just was not there with that audience. It also happened with one of the um, Disney Star Wars movies. I don't remember which one that I saw there, and there was no zero reactions. Well, I mean, uh, to be it, honest, with the Disney Star Wars outside of the Force Awakens, which is an obvious like aberration in the career of Jar Jar Abrams, um, there's not much to get like super excited about. Well, if you're if it's an opening <laughs> day, it is like for Star Wars. I, I see what you're saying because again, we we don't need to go into the Last Jedi and all that, but just in general, like the crowd there, mm-hmm. they're, I, they they don't they don't bring the energy, and like you said, the big thing and bigger than that is the fact that it's these are smaller theaters. Yes, the seats are very nice, mm-hmm. at least the one over here by me, but again, it's it's a small theater. I mean, it's a very small theater. Yeah. So. And I'm trying to think of the other regals by me or in, in the area. Yeah. Uh, so, I said November. Yeah, it's October. My bad. Uh, oh, okay. So it says here, at present, Dune is scheduled to arrive in theaters and on Max 
on October 1st, 2021. However, if Warner Brothers were to make a special concession for the film and provide it within the same 45-day release window, it might allow the film to earn enough money at the box office to make Dune, uh, make the Dune, tra- Dune franchise commercially viable. Additionally, were Dune to be given this kind of release, it would not only please Villanueva, the director, Dana Villanueva, it would also allow HBO Max to keep the film within the 2021 streaming lineup as originally promised. So instead of it coming out on October 21st, it would come out uh, mid-December. Okay. Um, But, no. Or, no, it would come out of the, what? November. End of November, like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um. But no, like release a day and date. Like, you know, give the give the people here's the thing. Is more people will watch Dune if they don't have to go to the movie theater. Because I'll tell you right now, I love Dune. I am I'm a, a Dune super fan. <laughs> right? I mean, I tried yes, to convince I tried to convince a Scientology store in or location in Cincinnati to do to switch from Dianetics to Dune. And I told them I would join and give them all my money that day. Um before they kicked me out and told me never to come back uh, <laughs> and probably put me on some list. I don't know how they know my name. You're probably on a list. Yes, you're on a list. Anyway, um, but more people will watch Dune if they don't have to go to the movie theater. I guarantee it. I, I 100% guarantee more people will watch it because Dune, everyone's like, oh, Dune is boring. Dune is boring. Dune is not boring. Dune is like, Dune is where George... R.R. Martin stole most of his ideas for Game of Thrones politics um, with families and houses and and all of that fun stuff. Um, Dune is the, you know, a lot of it, Star Wars comes from Dune. Like, it's just, it it is the prototype for science fiction. And it is, it's heavy. It really is. But it's not boring. But if you can sit there and watch it at home and pause it and kind of take a break if you start to get a little overwhelmed by it because it is its own language and you know i think that would work out better for it and it would it would add to the long-term franchise viability commercially because then people like you know this was really good i can't i i wonder what this would look like to see all four foot eight of oscar isaac on a big screen as duke lando atreides you know question yeah do you think that the way they okay, say they release it on in theaters and release it what forty five days later or whatever it is on HBO Max. Do you think that would have a bigger impact, or if they released it simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max, as far as people seeing it, like not in the seeing it the same day, but just what type you know the buzz that's what i'm, tr- I'm trying i think to there's think people of. that would wait the 45 days to watch it and then forget that mm-hmm. it was coming out and that's again okay yeah because that's my concern in the sense of doing the wait i i i don't get me wrong i totally understand have being someone who wants to see wants to have their product the thing they worked over to be in you know seeing in the best light on in theaters however you also have to look at there are people look there are whether we're not, we you know we went to theaters in August to go see New Mutants and yeah. Tenet. But anyway, we didn't go together, but we Tenet. went and saw Tenet. Yeah. So yeah, and Tenet. But so you know, we we have no problem going to theaters, none, none yeah. whatsoever. And that was last year. Yeah, yeah at the height that's when everybody was afraid. Yeah, yeah, that's not everybody. There are people I look at some comments. And they're like, yeah, I, I'm again. This is movies that are coming out in June or like you know the whole Black Widow yeah. thing. Like there, I, I read on some some of these comments, people saying that they're still not going to be, you know, kind of ready. It's going to be a while before I go to the movie theater, regardless of their reasoning or whatever. There are people that are like that, and there are people that are like that that would probably want to see Dune. And to your point, that was my that's why I brought that up because my concern would be that you do this big fanfare thing where it's same day release. It, it's it's on there. It's plastered everywhere. You see it every. You see it on TV. You see it on HBO Max. You see it on online. But you know when you get that forty five days later release, yeah, yeah, there are people that'll pick that up. But then there's also going to be people that completely forget about it. Yep, and it just falls by the wayside with I, everything else that comes out. I think to your point, there are some soy infused individuals who would just stay home and watch it on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
That was and the nicest possible the, way I could say that, yeah. by the way. <laughs> you're, you're very nice. That that was – you showed restraint. No, I showed gravitas. <laughs> I wish you could see the devilish look on my face right now. <laughs> Dude, I, I know that look, yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I was laughing at something the other day. Oh, I forget what I was watching. And, and Angel yells in from the other room. She goes, I don't like it when you laugh like that. <laughs> I think I know the laugh, too, she's talking about. Uh, it wasn't the evil laugh. But I don't know. I do have a pretty evil laugh, though. I want to anyway uh all right so yeah I I don't know I to answer your question I don't know I I think it would probably do more harm than good to wait the 45 days to release it on HBO Max because people are like you know it's going to come out on HBO Max eventually anyway and then they're going to forget yeah. and it's going to come out on Saturday night and they're off like you know prepping for you know the doomsday and and you know getting their first aid kits updated and using iodine to make fresh water who knows right um <laughs> and, and you know it's it's you know they're they're making their craft hand sanitizer <laughs> who knows what they're doing but they're gonna forget to watch it i mean if they even have power at that point so yeah yeah i don't i don't know i mean I, i'm gonna go see it in the theater I'm, because it's important for me to go see it in the theater yeah i was um, just gonna say i I'm definitely going to see this one in theaters. There's no doubt about it. Maybe we should rent the thing. We should rent out a theater for it and invite like 10 people to come watch it with us. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to be still doing that. And I wonder uh, if they'd let us set up like a GoPro to just record everybody. Oh, like kind of like record everybody's reaction. Yeah. Cause just put a GoPro in like night mode, night vision mode or whatever. And uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, because like we're gonna have it turned away from the, the, yeah, and you just screen. you're just showing the audience, you're right? I mean, we can all just sit like right in a row and just cr- shoot the whole row. Huh. I I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see if they're doing that still. Then, if they are, we're definitely doing it. Yeah, because I think it's like only ninety nine bucks or something like that, dude. If that's, I'll do it myself and just watch it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would like to rent out the IMAX for a hundred dollars, please, and thank you. I'm going to watch Dune all alone. Yeah, it, it's bring it's, me my popcorn. I, that that. <laughs> I, I don't think it works like that. I, I don't think it so. doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't not work like that. <laughs> so, alrighty, uh, all right. So our last news bite of the day, news bit. Uh, news something or another. Uh, so X-Men is getting a new number one. Uh, so this was an, a very interesting announcement from Marvel this week. Uh, the Reign of X brings new X-Men series from Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I'm sorry. The Reign of X brings new X-Men series from Jonathan Hickman, Jerry Dugan, and more. Uh, and they have a timeline here. And so... Uh, This is a short article, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, The Reign of X is here. The latest era in writer Jonathan Hickman's revolutionary... I'm going to also give commentary as I read this, apparently. Revolutionary (laughs) transformation of the X-Men universe is now underway, bringing with it exciting new titles like last month's children... uh, See, exciting is not the... Hold on, let me rephrase this. Bringing in... Disappointing new titles like last month's Children of the Atom, uh, Children of the Atom, by noted hack Vita Alia and Bernard Chang. Next month's way. I like the, the way wa- this article sounds better. Next month's The Way of X by Cy Spurrier and Bob Quinn, and May's X Corp by Tina Howard and Alberto Fachi. And after June's highly anticipated franchise-spanning Hellfire Gala, fans can expect. Hold on, sorry, gotta reread this. After June's highly suspect franchise-spanning Hellfire Gala, fans can expect to be disappointed, including a trio of brand-new series by amazing X-Men creators such as Jerry Dugan, Lee Williams, Pepe Lazara, and Valerio Shitty. 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 S-C-H-I-T-I. And the head of Marvel, uh, the head of X himself, writer Jonathan Hickman. Um, so we know... 
Jerry Dugan and Pepe Larraz are getting an X-Men number one. Lee Williams and Valerie Oshetti are getting a classified number one. And then Hickman is getting a number one with the artist name Reacted, uh, Redacted. Uh, there's rumor that it might be John Romita Jr. So <laughs> this being said, X-Men has not been on the best footing lately. Um, I've still been buying a bunch of the books. Um, I, I tried that horrific Children of the Atom. Uh, that was just bad in every way. Um, you know, I like Cy Spurrier, so I'll definitely check out The Way of X. And I don't know anything about Teeny Howard, <clears throat> but uh, I'll probably check out X Corp because I'm a completionist. I will say, I'm looking very much forward to, to Jerry Dugan uh, and Pepe Larraz getting a book. Uh, Jerry Dugan is a very, very good comic book writer. So, so this excites me. Um, the other two coming out in August and September, because they're classified or not told what they are, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not excited for them, but, uh, Jonathan Hickman does have, um, a track record of just kind of failing to deliver after the initial like wave of mm -hmm. you know stuff yeah i like i read i don't think i finished or I, I dropped off somewhere but i was reading powers of x and house of x and you know uh, yeah that was a, a nice a little change of pace mm -hmm. um yeah the whole Krakoa thing uh, was cool yeah i really like liked that like but it I got a with, written in Krakoan. You know, <laughs> thanks to you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, actually, thanks, yeah, thank again, Brad. I, Brad's the one who came up with that idea. Yeah. So, but so yeah, and, and I, again, I was just like or earlier today. I was just going back to read some of his Avenger stuff, just to because again, Powers of X and House of X were the, and I've read some other things of his like sporadically, but nothing kind of like from the start of his arc to all the way through to the finish of his arc yeah so this is one of those that i haven't heard anything you know them touting wokeness with it other than the whole children of the atom yeah i mean he's not fiasco. he's not inherently woke right but like yeah. his his uh like his fantastic four run i actually really liked some people hate um the future foundation the ff stuff i really liked some people hated uh i did not care for his secret wars um not even really a little bit i i just i don't know it was it was just disappointing um and the fact that it was supposed to be like six issues or whatever or or seven issues and then they added two more um because he just couldn't get out of his own way uh now that being said during the secret war i did like the bat some of the battle world stuff some of that was really fun um Especially like uh, Hulk or not Hulk, Captain America and Devil Dinosaur. Um, that was probably my favorite. And then the the Hulk one was really good too. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. Um, so, you know how it's excited funny with I the, am. <laughs> yeah, with a guy like that, with a uh, you know a comic book writer who is hit and miss, just because sometimes they just don't get the story right. I'll take a chance on mm -hmm. versus someone who misses because they're trying to intersperse their message within the story sure. and the story comes last. Yeah. So I'll probably check some of these out. I, I haven't read, I haven't actually, well, house of X and powers of X before that. I don't even know when the last time I'd read any X titles with any consistency. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot just because I'm an X fan, but um, we will uh, we'll see where all of that goes. But so yeah, that's what's coming up with with X Men over the next couple of months, uh, all the way till September. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, um, moving on to Chris Terrio was dropping pipe bombs uh this week <laughs> the pipe bomb uh he, he i think he came out to his cult of personality music cm punk style sat indian style on the stage and, and just proceeded to drop bombs uh verbal bombs 
so he's got this this amazing interview in Vanity Fair. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, I highly recommend reading it. Um, oh, it's great. But yeah. like just the subtitle alone, the Argo Oscar winner is tired of being hated by the haters. And he despises what happened to his DC films, too. Um, so I, I'm not I mean, this is a long, long interview. It was really good. It's it's actually one of the first things from Vanity Fair I've read all the way through in quite some time. <laughs> Um, Same here. But like he just I mean, he goes to task um, about the Justice League, about Batman versus Superman, about why he thinks he was brought in. Um, But since we've been talking about the Justice League stuff um, there, there was a part that really stood out when they're when they're talking about it. And so the question the the interviewer asks, is it true you were banned from the Justice League set? Um, And and Terry says, I wouldn't say that I was banned banned the studio attitude was we'll take it from here i was frankly shocked when i saw the snyder cut and saw how much of the original script was shot with uh with some small revisions they shot the script and i understand that sometimes that was a battle for zach um how do you feel about the version that joss whedon assembled after zach left the project um and and terio replies uh, when those personal touches were removed from the film in the 2017 version, I was silent because I only really say anything. Uh, I couldn't really say anything, but of course it hurt. All that remained was a dinosaur skeleton of what had been a great lumbering beast. It might have been a big, unruly beast, and obviously it's four hours, and the movie is uh, is maximalist, and it's operatic, and sure, it's a little crazy. But I think the movie is crazy <laughs> in the best way. Like those two, like just that right there. Like, okay, it shows the studio was so involved with the the justice version uh, of the movie that it explains so much why um, some people on this podcast might refer to it as hot garbage. Um, but then in the second part, you know, uh, All that remained was a dinosaur skeleton of what was a great lumbering beast. I mean, I don't necessarily take that as a good thing either. You laughed because it's funny. Um, but that movie didn't need to be four hours. It it needed to be at least three hours and 20 minutes for me. I'm not honestly. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been over three. Like, but yeah. if, if it went if it had the same runtime as Endgame, it would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, I actually think that one, the for what he did, they needed a little bit more time. But the the whole epilogue thing, forget I said, you know, I like what was in it, but it was wholly unnecessary. So that used to um, be a bonus feature on the DVD. Yes, I remember those. Those were pretty awesome. That would have been like, back in the day. Go to Target and get the exclusive, yeah, exclusive Snyder Cut yeah. version with the twenty minutes of unseen footage. Of the nightmare scenario or some, something of like that. Of the nightmares. Of the reach-around edition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I love this line he, he says in here, too. He says, the t- 2017 theatrical cut was an act of vandalism. Yes. <laughs> Zach, Zach may be too much of a gentleman to say that, but I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that's like right up at the very beginning. So, um, you know, uh, right above those quotes also, it says, can you point to something specific that you were glad to get to showcase in the new version? Willem Dafoe's story and the Aquaman story. Obviously, the character Iris West um, and most centrally Ray Fisher's performance as Cryborg. It was always the heart of the film to me, and it just meant so much to me personally because as much as my heart and life were put into the story, that is the thing about this version of Justice League that none of it was done cynically or as a money grab or an attempt to sell Happy Meal toys. It really was personal for me, for Zach, and for many of the actors. And you can see that. You can see in the reaction to the fact that like none of them really came out and were like super happy about the Justice League cut. Um, mm-hmm. They almost universally all were for the Snyder cut. Um, and, you know, there, there are a bunch of them who have come to bat for Ray Fisher. Yeah. And I, you know, and... I'm not going to say Ray, 
some of the things Ray Fisher has said and some of the ways he's acted, I could not get down with, regardless of what happened on set. However, with that being said, it's, and then reading this, how Terriel said, you know, they would go out and take long walks and talking about his character. There is, you know, it's one thing seeing it and understanding why he was pissed off that he was cut out. But looking at some of the stuff that these guys did in the background, trying to formulate this character, trying to get get us a great story, you know, you know, a very entertaining story and putting their heart and soul into it. You, you would, you understand why these people were not too happy with what we got in 2017. Yeah. Right. I mean, but it goes beyond that too. Like he, and li- uh, later yes. on, he talks about um, Batman versus Superman. Uh, I wrote the drafts of Batman, uh, the Batman Superman movie. It wasn't called Batman V Superman Dawn of justice. Um, you know, otherwise known as crap man versus crap man, crap, crap. <laughs> um, he said, I did not name the script. In fact, I found out that the movie was called what the movie is called along with the rest of the world on the internet. I was not consulted on the title of the film. And I was surprised as anyone, I would have not named it Batman versus Superman Dawn of justice. Was it Zach's choice? I don't know exactly who named it, but I suspect it was the studio and I suspect it, I suspect it was marketing to be honest with you, it might have been the first step towards creating ill will for the film. I suspect that putting the words Batman and Superman in the title had some marketing component to it. Um, <laughs> this is the best. It wasn't called Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice by me. And then just a kind of paraphrase here. Uh, it just sounds self-important in a clueless, uh, in clueless in a way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's tone deaf. Um, yeah. You know, the intention of the film... He says here, uh, the intention of the film was to do something interesting and dark and complex. Not quite as Las Vegas bust him up WWE match and Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's that. Uh, he has a good relationship with ja- Zack Snyder still. I imagine that, um, you know, he probably doesn't have a good relationship with Joss Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, I mean, he does say, like, the director's cut of Batman versus Superman or the ultimate cut or whatever the hell it's called, like, you know, adds more of what Zack wanted in that movie. Um, I think I think what Zack needs to learn is how to be. Uh, how to be a little more brief in his storytelling, yeah. you know, so again. Batman v Superman, I went to I went to see that in the theater and was underwhelmed. I, I was more underwhelmed once I saw it a second time, but watching the ultimate cut of that again, not saying it's a great movie. It has severe problems, but it's, it's a night and day, even though it's only 30 minutes, which again, you look at a movie like Lord of the Lord of the Rings movie that they cut, you know, 45 minutes and they were still great movies Mm -hmm. without the extra time. So you can do that. Granted, those were all three and a half hours plus, but like the 30 minutes completely, like when you add those in, there were so many plot holes in that or the original cut of uh, Batman v Superman. It, it was it was a Swiss cheese of a movie where like nothing made sense. Yeah. Even with and with those 30 minutes, so much more made sense from the story standpoint that, oh, I said that within the first five minutes of watching that movies like why did they cut this out yeah it makes so much more sense down the road doesn't mean it's a perfect movie doesn't mm-hmm. it's not even close to being perfect no however this again goes to show that these people these fat cats at warner studios have no clue what they're doing did when it comes say to fat cats <laughs> yeah i did and, and, and how it very, was funny because how very was... green arrow of you in the yeah. you know neil adams <laughs> green arrow Sorry. Because it kind of reminds me of something he said later on, like in this interview when they were going, you know, they were parading them up. In, I think it was in New York with these people that make, you know, they have the money, not the executives, but, you know, these Wall Street guys telling him how he needs to write Batman. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. probably where that came from. Same. But, yeah, it, it just goes it, again. And it, and I, I also think he says something like there was never a, like a real plan in the ske-. So they said basically, OK, this is the schedule of the movies. Work it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there was no, okay, let's get our heads together. What is the direction we're going to take with these characters? How we're going to make this, you know, these, this u- cinematic universe mesh together by working with, and again, you know, we were just talking earlier about Star Wars, Disney trilogies. No, hold on, they, hold on, hold on. They, well, Disney Star Wars. Disney Star Wars. You have Wars. to put the qualifier. Disney there. Star Wars, yes. 
very similar thing. Although from there, from what you said, they actually did have a plan. And they let um, your boy ruin throw it throughout the plan. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He's only my boy in the manner that he's gonna get kicked in the taint second after JJ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just it. And again, we say this all the time about like Warner's. And again, I'm. It's just so frustrating as a a lover of films and a lover of a lot of these characters when these people don't care about it and worse than don't care about it, don't know what they're doing Yeah, and just completely mess things up for people who are putting their heart and soul into it and actually do care about these characters. And again, right. You know, I, I love justice league. You didn't, I mean the new version of just the Snyder cut. So this is not like rating on how much we love the movies, but it's more along the lines of the studio interfering and well, just making yeah. somebody's work crap. I mean, here in the in the article, too. I mean, like I was joking, I knew that he had no relationship with Joss. Uh, it says, were you hearing anything about Joss Whedon's management on the set? Uh, Terrio says, I probably shouldn't get into that. I've never met Joss. I don't know him. I did reach out to him, to him at the beginning of the process through the executives, but I did not hear back, which is not unusual. And then they ask, when did you watch his version of Justice League? I was in L.A. at the time working on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. The less said about that, the better. I was on the west side of Los <laughs> Angeles working with Jar Jar Abrams at the time. And I drove to the studio and I sat down and I watched it a couple of weeks before the release. I immediately called my lawyer and said, I want my name taken off of the film. The lawyer then called Warner Brothers and told them what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and why didn't you? Prince had already been struck and hard drives burned down. And how are they deliver movies these days? The elements were on their way, and to remove my name would have had to restrike prints and redo the digital copies, and the film could be delayed. It would be an international scandal and news story, so I shut up and I said nothing publicly. I've never said anything about Justice League since then, but the movie doesn't represent my work. So, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was highly involved, and it wasn't the movie he crafted that came out. Yeah. You know? And again, studio—I mean, studio interference. Yeah, and and, and again, it's easy to you know, be, like just think about like to put it in more visual terms. Think about, about if you make a painting, and then the studio or who, who whomever you know, the art house, <sighs> you know, cuts out thirty percent of that painting, and it's not even what you created. And no, no, know, it's not even not that. Have... It's not they cut out thirty percent, and then they had someone come in and fill the other seventy percent up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's actually a better. And, and and like you know, I mean, here's the thing too: is he said when they asked why he didn't remove, follow through on removal of his name, and he's like, I didn't want to bring any more bad press to the movie than was already there. Um, you know, he he thought it would have made the situation worse for the actors and all the craftspeople who worked on it. Um, but he says, but I'm awfully happy that Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League is the one that's higher on my IMDb page. So, yeah. look, I, I think people should go read this. I, I, you know, I think we've given them a really good insight into to what Chris Terrio is looking at. I mean, this dude is super talented. Like Argo is, is legit an amazing film. Um, and, you know, he was brought on to Batman v Superman because of his relationship with Ben Affleck. Right. Um, and because he just won an Oscar for freaking writing Argo. Um, so, yeah, I like I. I, 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 you know, again, like I said, he, he's also responsible for Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, he there's issues there. But, you know, again, Rise of Skywalker wasn't written poorly because it was written poorly. It was written poorly because it had a foundation of quicksand. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. So do you have anything else you want to add? No, I like I, I just echo your sentiments. You, this is a very well done article and interview that anybody that is curious about like everything that's going on with Justice League and all this stuff, it it's a definitely must read yep. for those people. Yeah. Uh kudos to Anthony Bresnikan for for doing this interview and, and doing it so well. And I think I think really representing like the truth of what happened to Chris Terrio in this whole process. 
And he did a really good job about not necessarily pushing for more dirt. Because when he would bring it up, Terry would be like, yeah, I'm not here to talk about that. Um, and he was obviously close to uh, to Ray Fisher. So, and and he viewed, right. he viewed Cryborg as uh, as the heart of the movie, and he should yeah. have been. He just wasn't happy enough. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's move on to to being pissed off at the world. I mean, um, having the world watch. Uh, I I gotta say this this was the most MCU episode of the show so far. Um. As as far Absolutely. as as what went down and and what happened, uh, I love Zemo. Zemo is probably my favorite character in the show, um, mainly because Daniel Bruel is amazing in the role. Uh, and for all the complaints I've had about Sebastian Stan, Stan just kind of looking uninterested as Bucky, uh, that's all out the window this episode. Like not for the and- what he's done up to this point, but like that went away this episode yeah and absolutely and you said i think a couple weeks ago how underrated of an actor he is and you know he has a scene in the in this move in this episode you know not just the the introduction of this episode is so good Mm -hmm. and the the way the the battle he has like internally in that scene and just the pain and frustration and determination that Sebastian Stan gives you in that scene as Bucky mm-hmm. is, I mean, there was no better way to start this episode. No. I mean, it was so good. I mean, it was great that so it picked good. up right where it left off from last week, which was, was, right. was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, and I, I like so Walker does some things of this episode that uh, I know is may make me not supposed to like him, but it kind of makes me like him more. Uh, I told you about that. I still think that Carly Morgenthau is the worst part of the show. Yeah. She does have a good, decent moment here um, where she has a conversation with Sam. I'll just say that it was decent. Mm -hmm. It wasn't great, but it was probably her best moment. But I also think Anthony Mackie was carrying her through that scene. (laughs) And I and you cannot dismiss that either. Yes, he, I, I, he, he loaded her did. up on the carbon fiber wings and and you know <laughs> kept kept her kept her where she was supposed to be. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to see the power broker. I, that's I don't know, man, because there's only two episodes left. I'm also okay if we don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm fine. And I let's save that, the power broker. A little bit of restraint. Something down the line. With and, yeah. and introduce him with more gravitas. Um, <laughs> so, real quick, going back to what you said about John Walker, <laughs> I told you, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, we, we've gone over the whole how I'm a fan of reaction shows and uh-huh. all this stuff. And what I found is so many people don't like this guy, not for what he's done, but for the shoes he's trying to fill. And yeah, he he's been a little bit jerkish in some moments, but I was just watching a couple reactions. And again, this was actually an episode I was the only episode I've been excited to see other people's reactions to, uh, because again, this is by far the for me by far the best episode of this this series so far. And I, I do like some of the moments you get that humanize mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and um, like one of my favorite lines. And I'll, I'll have to pull that off later. It's just like where he's devastated for, for basically failing again yeah. as Captain America. Yeah. And the the look on his face when he he does that reply or when he makes his statement. Yeah. Like it's it's about a you guy can who's say it. he's I mean, trying. You can, you can say it. I don't uh, think that's spoiler, yeah. Where yeah. he's like they weren't. He's like they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah, because I mean the door. I mean we know the Dora Milaje show up. Yeah. And uh, or the and, Dora the Explorers, as I like to call them. Um, yeah. You know, and and yeah, I mean, but these are also like some badass warrior ladies who, you know, um, and they are trained to work together as well. Yeah, they see pride, is- they see power, they mm-hmm. are badass mothers who don't take no crap off of no one, just like Junior yeah. Bevan. <laughs> but it it just kind of shows that, like, again, a lot, and, and I part of it is the way the stories played out, but he he really. 
people really aren't looking at they just look at him as he's trying to replace Captain America. It wasn't his idea. That's the no. thing people have to understand. It was he's one of those guys and again, we and this is what people miss on him and this is why actually to your point when you said that to me you're like yeah, this episode made me like him more. Yeah. And I said the same thing. Because you look back on the first episode where he gets or it's actually episode 2 where we get that cold opening with him in this locker room. Mm-hmm. And what and he says, you know, he he doesn't want all this pomp and circumstance. He wants to do the job. Just right. that's all he wants to do. And then Lamar tells him, he's like, dude, this dude, is this the job. is the job. Yeah. I, it's funny. I used I use that line when we were talking about um, like when I had a we had a book club for work. Yeah. We were talking about a book, and I, I use that line for <laughs> you know sometimes people, you know, you don't see the heart, the grindings that people do. You only see the end result. But there's a lot of stuff that goes into getting to that end result. Well, and even though he. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, that, that was just for my, like, why I interspersed that in with the discussion. Well, but, I was going to say, like, all we've seen is his Instagram version of this. We've only seen his highlight reel. Like, we've gotten those yeah. little glimpses of the, you know, I want to just do the job. Or he got beaten up by superior fighters. And he's like, they weren't even yeah. super soldiers, and I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and they almost took the shield back. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so I I think I think he has a lot of tough choices. He makes a really tough choice in this episode which happens off-screen which I was very thankful for. Um I I yes. Because they teased it the outcome of what happened there. They teased it. And and, and we we talked about this earlier and we'll talk about it more on the uh, on the commentary track on Patreon at patreon.com/infospodcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh I I I wanna I wanna like just say like I I the reason I like him more is because they showed more cracks in the character, but all he was wanting to do was help. Now here's the big problem I had with this episode is the word supremacist was used like forty seven thousand times. If that you were drinking, biggest, if yes. you're if this was a drinking game, your liver doesn't work anymore. Your skin is a <laughs> is a crazy Nick Stahl shade of yellow from. Uh, Sin City, your blood is probably yellow at this point too, and uh, and you constantly have to go to the bathroom because you're so filled with alcohol. Uh, I that that was just it was it was distracting. It kind of yes. came from out of nowhere, uh, you know. And, and the whole thing, like you know, thankfully, thankfully, they they pointed out that Steve was not a supremacist of any kind. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And, uh, you know, that there's only one Steve Rogers. Yeah. And that to that was the big glaring issue with me is the use of that word and how they were using it. And it's it's not just how they're using it. I think it was the undertones that bug me based on what we've seen in the first three episodes of the signal virtue signaling. Yeah. I wonder when if that, that was a tots moment for this where like when um the the BLM stuff with Sam coming out of Isaiah's house, like, you know, something like 60% of people dropped out and didn't come back. Yeah. I wonder if, like, if when they were having that supremacy conversation, um, the big one, if people dropped out and was like, yeah, I've, I've had enough. Yeah. And and let's be, to be honest, that was the one moment when they started talking, throwing, bandying that word around. I just, I was just like, come on, guys. Use another word, okay? Yeah. To, and again, it it wasn't even good. In, the word itself wasn't even right for what they were trying to say. Yep. It was more like, like you said, it was distracting. It was shoot, it shoehorned in, mm-hmm. and it really bugged me. Uh, I did thankfully, finally. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say, thankfully, again, the intro to this and like everything else that happened throughout, for the most like hit with me pretty well yeah because again like i said this is by far for me by far the best episode from start to finish yeah that we've gotten the falcon and the winter so a- absolutely uh so real quick sarah wilson sam's sister i finally figured out her point on the show it's to drag What's anything cool that's happening to a complete stop yeah she it, said something that she, she's me. the she's just the continual a force cameo like that's that's her whole role in the show, and it's, and here's the thing, um, I, I I don't know the actress, I don't know what she's been in, 
Um, I, I, she's, she's not well, she's not very well. The character is not well written. Uh, so no matter who the actor or actress is playing that role, it's going to be hard. They're already starting from behind an eight ball. And, uh, she, she makes Adrian Balboa look like the most supportive partner in the history of the world. (laughs) Yeah. And again, when we talked about the first episode and how, they were trying to use her as uh, something to humanize Sam. And I think you said it. You're like, he doesn't need to be humanized. He doesn't. He needs to be got... sure to be a little bit more uh, superhuman. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And, again, I those were co- the two biggest complaints I've had I had yeah. about this episode was that, that use of the word supremacist mm-hmm. and her her injection in this where it it just didn't – it wasn't necessary. Yeah. And, and again, to your point, it wasn't well written, and yep. you know she had a line that really bugged me um, as well. But those two things weren't enough to drag down this episode for yep. me. Yeah, it's it's still it's still yeah, nicked it I up agree. a little bit. Yeah, I mean it, it, it but, was it, it was a it was a tiny stumble along the way. Right. Um. So are two other things. One, uh, the use of Turkish delight only works in Europe. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, no American child would come rushing for Turkish delight. Uh, I brought some of that back from Turkey. That shit is nasty. Um, uh, and then um, I, I liked, I actually liked what they did with Sam um, with the whole idea of, uh, of reminding them that, Hey, I work with people with trauma yes that's, that's what i yes. do um that's my actual superpower uh was really good and then the use of the wings again while fighting super pack. soldiers like just the whole apparatus uh yeah. shows immense creativity from the directing blocking and stunt staff uh on this show that i'm 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 constantly impressed with how they make what could be a very well one a very cheesy effect but two kind of a cheesy power uh look badass and avenger worthy yeah absolutely yeah like and we we got that in the first episode but this was even better because again he was he was going to get super soldiers oh yeah uh, or I, I should say, super powered individuals. They, no, I mean they're I super them. soldiers. I mean they've got the super soldier serum. Well, I mean I'm just saying from a yeah. okay. fighting standpoint. Sure. Like, yeah, so it's a little, you know, it's one of those nitpicks. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's rate the show um, out of five smashed flag smashers. I, I'll I'll go with the four with this one because again, this is. This again. This is the only episode so far of this show that one I'm looking forward to rewatching. I mean, really looking forward to. Re-watching. Yeah, I, I actually can't wait. Like to like I'm like I'm kind of trying to cut this episode short so we can yeah. start recording that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and no. Two, oh yeah. Good. Looking, watching other people's reactions of like yeah. the other ones. I like I would watch a reaction or two and I'm like I'm done. Yeah. I like I've, I'm done. I've so. seen enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go four as well. Um, and I am excited because I think they used every tool in their toolkit to the best of its ability in this episode. Yes. Yes. There are a couple scenes I'm really excited to see again and talk about. So anyway. All right. Um, well, cool. I think that's the episode, man. We're under an hour. Yeah. It's been a while. Here we go. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, like, and subscribe five-star review <laughs> follow us on instagram follow us on facebook um yeah i don't know sign up for our email list on the website that'd be cool i might actually start sending emails uh and again if you've reached this point email me and i will send you something cool nice one of daryl's toes that got really dark <laughs> why <laughs> jeez man Uh, anyway on that note (laughs) (laughs) thank y'all for listening and we will see you later peace out bye
The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.